Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. So uh, let me share this verse with you. It says this. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. So an early Jesus follower named Paul uh, is the one who wrote these words. And many, many Jesus followers throughout history have looked at Paul as, as some kind of super Christian, some kind of amazing uh, guy that we should all follow or all be like. And he still, he still manages to write these words. I want to know Christ. Uh, where you might expect him to already be saying things like, I mean, I already know Jesus. You guys need to get to know him. But he says, I want to know Christ. I want to know what it means to be a Jesus follower. Um, I, 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 I still need to know more. So um, some of you all know that Tom Brady is, is a professional football player. Um, maybe you've heard of him before. Uh, some consider him the greatest football player of all time. Uh, certainly the greatest quarterback of all time. Much of his life is about football. Uh, if you follow him or you read about him, he's, I think he's 43, 44 this year. He's still playing football. And lots of it is because he's very disciplined in his life. He makes his life very intentionally about football. Much of his life is about football. Um, so if you want to know Tom Brady, if you want to know who he is, and you didn't know anything about football, then you'd be limited in how much you could know about who he is. I would like you to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And you've got to know this. If you don't know anything about resurrection, then you're not going to be able to know very much about who Christ is. If, if, you, if you don't participate, if you don't know anything about suffering and participating with him in his sufferings, you're going to have a hard time wrapping your mind around what he's really all about. If you want to know him, we're, you know, we have to start in those places. Those are places that we can begin. So at this time, we're going to participate in the Lord's Supper or communion together. Um, and, and I mentioned at the beginning of the service, if, you, if, you, if you're at home and you'd like to participate with us, that would be great. Um, get, this is the time to get your, get your things together that you'll need. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that communion together will serve to give us a sense of solidarity and, and oneness during, a, during this time. Uh, it's, uh, it's just a because we have to be separated from each other, I'm hoping that it would bring us together. And again, so if you're at home and you don't have grape juice or wafers or crackers, then use what you have. Use what you have. Use some bread, use some water. Um, so, uh, and let, let me say this out loud really quick, because many of us have grown up in church. If you're just using like a tortilla shell and water might, not, might feel weird to you. Um, but let me, let, me, let me have you think differently about that. When Jesus' followers um, took communion in the first century, it was typically surrounded by and included in a bigger meal. So if one of them showed up here with us 
and took communion with us, they would be appalled by how we take communion compared to how they did. You can be sure that poor Christians in Africa don't always have grape juice on hand when they take communion together. So the point or the purpose is to focus on and recommit to Christ. And that's, that's, that's what we're going to do today. So, so you can get your drink and bread ready and then hold on to it. And uh, we'll, take, we'll take them together. We'll take them together in just, just a few minutes. So uh, uh, t- taking, uh, taking communion together is a way for us to know the power of the resurrection and to participate with him in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So here, here's, here's, uh, here's how we will do this today. So first we're gonna spend, we're gonna spend a few moments uh, praising him for the power of the resurrection. I'll explain that in just a minute. Second, we're going to think through um, how we could thank him for the hope of the resurrection. And then third, we're gonna become like him in his death by learning to die to ourselves. And, I, and again, I'll, just, I'll walk you through it. And then fourth, we'll just, we'll spend a few seconds asking him to teach us uh, the teach us what his resurrection power looks like in our lives right now. And last, we'll take communion together. And I'll, I will say, uh, this, this is his body uh, broken for you. And then you'll, you'll take your bread. And then I'll say, this, is, this represents his blood poured out for you. And then you'll, you'll, drink your, you'll drink your drink. So as we begin, um, I'm going to pray, praising God for the power of his resurrection. Then I'm going to give you a few seconds uh, to pray uh, words on your own, to praise God. Um, and, and if you don't do this all the time, you may feel awkward. Um, you, you, may, you may feel weird uh, and that's okay. If you've never hugged your kids before, you should. And when you do, the first time you do it's gonna feel awkward, um, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Praising God is just a way of telling him why he's so incredible, why he's so awesome. So, so when, you, when you pray, um, you can tell God what's so awesome about the resurrection, what's so powerful, what's so great about the resurrection. Um, in, in the same way that you would praise someone for something good that they've done, try to, you could try to think of it that way. So let me, let me begin our prayer and then uh, I'll give you a few seconds to pray words on your own and then we'll move to the next step. Let's pray together. Dear Father, as humans, you've, you've allowed us to have the ability to take life. But without you, we can never start lives. We can never begin lives. We can't bring anything back to life. But when Jesus died, eyewitnesses say that tons of Christians came back to life. And then you brought Jesus back from the dead. So not only did Jesus rise from the dead, but lots of people came back alive too. You have the power to do that, that resurrection power. You have the power over what we cannot stop, death itself. Right now, we want to just praise you and tell you the awesomeness of that resurrection power.
Next, we're going to spend a few seconds thanking God for the hope of the resurrection. All of us are going to die one day. And for some of us, that's scary and depressing. But for Jesus' followers, because of the resurrection of Christ, this, this is not the end. Uh, this gives us a, a, a unique hope in the world. That's so awesome. So great. Let's, let's spend some time thanking God for that. I'll pray. And again, I'll give you a few seconds to, to, give, to share your own words of thanks to God. Let's pray together. Dear Father, everything finds its meaning in you. And nothing, nothing has lasting meaning apart from you. So if, if, we're, if we're to try to make this world have meaning apart from you, we always have to come back to the fact that we are going to die someday. So all the relations, all the relationships we invest in are going to end. Even the idea of leaving the world a better place, the world will end. And all of that sounds sad and scary and hopeless, but with the resurrection of the dead, we have hope. And we want to just thank you for that hope because the world needs it. And right now we just want to spend some time expressing how grateful we are that we have the power of the hope of the resurrection. Now we're going to spend a few seconds becoming like Christ in his death um, by confessing our sins to him. So uh, one, one of the important things about communion that maybe we, we rush past or, or we don't do is that it's an opportunity to stop, to pause, to think. Have we been, how, how have we been sinning against God um, since we last did this? Maybe since the beginning of the day. And, and we can learn by, by doing this each week, we can learn to die to ourselves. We can, we can learn inch by inch to die to ourselves and live through Christ. And so the, the whole message isn't die to yourself because that sounds a, like a terrible message. Many of us grew up in church hearing that message, die to yourself, die to yourself, die to yourself. But that's not the, that's not the whole message. The whole message is die to yourself and then come alive in Christ. That's your motivation in confessing our sins that we know when we die to ourselves, we become like Jesus in his death so that we can become like him in his resurrection. Let me pray and introduce it and then I'll give you a few seconds to, uh, to do it on your own. Dear Father, for me personally, you know that when I'm under pressure, I try to hide my sins. I try to hide my mistakes. I'm not completely transparent about my weaknesses. Um, would you please forgive me for that? And would you please help my church family right now as they're trying to be transparent about their sin with you and bring to mind the things in their lives that you would like them to deal with 
so that we can become like you in your death and then we can become like you in your resurrection. And finally, uh, I just want to ask, I'm going to ask the Lord on our on behalf of our church uh, to teach us the power of the resurrection. Um, teach us what that means. Teach us how, how we can live it out in a way that, uh, that makes it tangible for the people that we know and we love. So um, let me pray. Um, and then after I pray, we'll, uh, we'll take our our communion elements together. Let's pray together. Dear Father, there are things that we know about your resurrection in our minds. You know, we've read or we've been told our whole lives going to church um, and being a part of church families. There are things that we know about your resurrection, um, but we want to know experientially what it means to know the power of your resurrection in our lives beginning today, beginning right now. We want to experientially know the power of your resurrection. Help us with that. There's no way we can do that on our own. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, um, we'll take communion together. So, so get, your, uh, get your wafer ready first. This represents the body of Christ broken for you. Go ahead and eat that. And if you haven't done, done so yet, get your, uh, get your wine ready, your drink, whatever drink you have, get that ready. This drink, this wine, um, this, this juice, this represents the blood of Christ poured out for you. Go ahead and drink that together. Beautiful. Um, thanks for uh, thanks for sharing sharing that moment together with us. Thanks for those of you guys who did that at home. Went out of your way to make that happen. 
Uh, I have a few ideas I'd like to share with you, and then um, then then I'll be done. Uh, I just want to start with this idea of often when I uh, when I when we have a worship service together, I talk about um, I talk about I use the word connecting to talk about what I want our church to be about. Um, every organization has a bottom line that says, this is our, this is our goal or this is what we want to accomplish. Or this is what we want to be about. This is what we want to look like at the end of the day. This is what we want to accomplish together. So when, when I talk about that for us, I use the word connecting as one of our keywords to say, this is, this is what I want us to do. And I say, we exist to bridge the gospel in our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Uh, I, and I repeat it because I want you to know it. I don't want, I don't want you just to, to have me know it. I want you to make it your own. I want you to, to, to have those words in your heart. These are the words that we put together uh, to, to say, this is what we want to be about. And it looks nice on a shirt or on our website or whatever, but do you know what I'm asking for even? When, when, I, when I say these words, do, I know what, do you know what I'm, what I'm trying to get to or what I want you to think about? Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. First, our community. When I say our community, I mean us, us, this church community, and then certainly the, the, the communities out from that in, in your lives, in your world, the people that you go to school with or work with or, you know, you're on your, your teams or whatever. Um, those, those, that's, that's what I mean when I say community, but the, the gospel. What does the gospel mean? This verse, this verse is a, a great picture of what, what the gospel means. It says this. It says, now I'm reminding you, brothers and sisters, now I'm reminding you of the gospel I preached to you, which you indeed received and in which now, in which you also stand, through it, you also, you are also being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I handed it on to you as a first importance, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins. Here, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So the gospel that I had in me, I gave to you so that you might stand up. And through it, you're being saved. The gospel is top priority. And, and here we go. This is what it is. This is, what, this is a reminder. This is what it is. Jesus, he died. Uh, he, he was buried. He, he died for your sins. He was buried and he was raised to life. And now that thing is actively saving you right now. It saved you, but it's also actively saving you right now. Saving you right now. Saving you from what, right? <laughs> from hell. I was talking with friends the other day that about the idea that, that we're being saved from hell, which, you know, we, we were terrified as a kid. I was terrified of going to hell. So I wanted to be saved from that. But that's not all. That's not all. It's good news. That's not all. Saving you from hell and death and Satan and sin and evil and being the person that you don't want to be. Saving you from all of that right now. Right now. That's what actively saving you means, I think. And the gospel 
that life needs to be bridged. It needs to be connected. Um, we, need to, we, need to make it, we need to have it make sense between each other and with, between the people who we know and love. We need to bridge that gospel that's saving people, not just from hell, but from themselves, from the things in their lives that terrify them. That gospel, we need to... It needs to be connected. And the kind of connection that excites us, that excites us with the potential to liberate and strengthen and encourage just, just a few people, just a handful of people in our lives with the resurrection power of Jesus. What I'm saying is this. There is power in you if you're a Jesus follower right now to powerfully heal broken hearts, to, 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 to overcome damage that has been done by abusive backgrounds and awful pasts, to, to, to encourage depressed people, to, to courageously move forward. There's power in you to, to, to stimulate the lonely, to, to reach out to, to, to lost people, to, to, revitalize, to revitalize teens and children and new people and old people with, with the power of the Holy Spirit and to introduce hope into lives that are hopeless, that have no hope of the resurrection power that we know about. And to help countless people who feel fear and rejection and loneliness and uselessness, something in you, that is what I mean when I say bridging the gospel in our community by connecting people to Jesus. That's what I mean when I say that. Something in you that you need to release out to the people that are in your community. The problem is, obviously, the problem is, is that that's not our experience, right? That's not, you're like, that power is not in me. I don't even know what you're talking about. The kind, that kind of power has not been our experience. Let me tell you this, though. It's not because it's not there. It's not because it's not there. The resurrection power is there. We just have to release it. The, that bridging and that, that connecting is releasing Jesus Christ's resurrection power onto and into the lives of others. That is what I'm asking for our, when I say these words out loud. I'm saying that I, wanna, I want you to release that power. Release that power. So all of that may not be very clear. Right, so it might sound mystical or weird, or what does that mean? So, uh, whenever that, whenever if I, I feel like that, may I may be coming off like that. I want to give examples, and when I, so I'll give you. I'm going to give you extreme example to try to make it more clear uh, about what I mean. So, when I was in college, I had this professor um, who was trying to teach me what it means to release resurrection power into other people's lives, and so. Great professor. He taught courses in uh, marriage and family and counseling. Um, off the chart smart. Uh, he had like a couple doctorates. Just, I admire him greatly. I admire him greatly. This professor had an adopted son. We'll call him Joe. And Joe and I were close to the same age. 
Uh, we knew, I knew Joe in high school and Joe was that kid. I don't know if you have a person or had a person in your life like this. Joe was that kid who, when you were with him, he would do things like put you in a headlock just a little too tight. Or, or he would tell you a joke that ended up with you in an arm bar or, and always doing things that hurt you. Uh, and you know, they, they kind of, you were just, dude, come on, give, stop. Fast forward to my, to my junior year of college. It was still a surprise to me to see Joe on the news one day. He'd been arrested for breaking and entering and for assault. And of course, that was devastating to my professor and his family. Um, everyone on campus, everyone on our campus knew about it. Uh, but we didn't know exactly what happened. And of course, we didn't ask him. <laughs> we wanted to know, but we, we, we didn't ask him. So a few months after seeing Joe on the news, it's still pretty fresh for all of us. We still didn't know much about the incident. And so my professor schedules this time for me to come to his office, to meet him in his office. And so there was school stuff he was trying to talk to me about. And so we walked through the school stuff. I honestly don't even remember that part of the conversation. And after talking about the school stuff, my professor begins to share with me some of the details of his son's arrest and what he's been going through. So my professor, my professor's son, Joe, and one of his friends had broken to a building on the campus of a local university, not the university that, that, that I was going to where the professor worked at, a, a different one. They, they, they broke into a building and they were trying to break into it, a vending machine. When one of the professors from that university came upon them and he's like, hey, what are you guys doing? And Joe and his friend beat the professor almost to death uh, with their hands and their feet and a pair of bolt cutters that they, uh, they had. And, and Joe, obviously, they were arrested and were probably going to go to prison for the rest of their lives. So my professor is sharing all this with me. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm interested to know, uh, you know, the, the details. I'm, I, I, I want to know the details. Um, but I'm, I'm, at the same time, I'm in way over my head. He's saying things to me. I have no idea what to say and I have no idea what to do. I, and I'm sitting there feeling really helpless. I'm in awe of the cruelty of his son. But at the same time, you know, I feel such compassion for my professor. This is his, he raised his kid. He's so, and he's feeling all this humiliation and this, I want to relieve some of the pain or some of the things that he's feeling. I, I, it's a helpless moment. It's a help, I'm at a loss of how to, how to do it. So I'm sitting there, I'm drowning in this moment. And then my professor asked me this. He says this, he says this. He says, Daryl, would you pray for me? <laughs> okay, <laughs> what am I gonna say? Of course I say yes, but I, in my mind, I'm thinking, 
I don't know. I don't know what the first thing is to say to, to I, in this prayer. It's going to be super awkward. I, I, so I, I don't remember what I said. I just say this prayer the best that I knew how. And then I, when I say amen, I feel so silly, so inadequate, so like whatever I've done hasn't been anything to help. And after I finished praying, my professor says this. He didn't, certainly he didn't, he didn't use these exact words, but what he basically says is this. He said, Daryl, I released, I, I shared my brokenness with you and you released resurrection power onto me. And I'm like, I did? He's like, yes. You released the power to heal, to overcome damage that's been done, to encourage the depressed, to introduce hope. And, 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 I, let me, and I should say this, I should say this out loud. In hindsight, now, whatever, 30 years ago, in hindsight, I'm guessing he set this whole thing up, right? I'm not the first person he's told about this. He's trying to teach me. He put me in way over my head. And then he said, you, this has nothing to do with you. Release your power to heal, to help. Release your power. And my, obviously, I've had lots of classes with that professor and I don't remember nearly any of it, but I do remember that. I do remember that. I want my life. I want the life of, of our church to be marked by releasing resurrection power into situations where we're way over our heads and there's nothing we can do and there's nothing we can say and there's nothing we can change. And instead of trying to fix everything, we just release the resurrection power into people's lives. So in this series, I want to focus on one way we can do that together. And I'm going to need your help. It won't be able to happen without you. I want to focus on one way we can do that together. One way we can, and there's endless ways we can release resurrection power into the lives of other people. Um, but this is, this, is, this is one way. Listen. Race, sexuality, politics, and gender are all topics that are so ultra-sensitive in our culture right now. They're like gaping wounds on the body of our country. And it's so easy to hurt one another. And it's so easy to offend one another when we deal with these kind of topics, when we talk any, anything about these, it's so easy to hurt one another. It, it's, it's like when you get sunburned, I, not that I know personally, but it was like when you guys get sunburned, right? And uh, every, your skin is sensitive everywhere. Just putting on clothes and having your clothes rub up against your skin is awful. These topics are like this. These topics are like that in our country right now. 
super sensitive, like a sunburn. Maybe worse, like like third degree burns. And so we just don't talk about them. We avoid them because we're terrified. You don't want to talk about them. It's too painful and it's too scary. Uh, So this. What if we could create atmospheres where the topics that are most precious to us could be talked about in a way that creates healing? Let me say this to you. And you know this. You know this. The church should be the safest place talk about things like this. So would you help me? Would you help me make the church the safest place to talk about sensitive topics? What if we create an atmosphere where we could talk about things we don't agree about and it didn't have to be lethal to our friendships? What if we create, could create an atmosphere where I could express my concerns or, or what I didn't agree about or my thoughts or my fears or my questions without having to be afraid of being kicked out or unfriended or canceled? That we could give permission, we could give permission to each other to wrestle with questions about race, and about faith, and about gender, and about God without having to be afraid. So last week, Montina and I had a friend at our house and she was sharing with us, not from our church. So she was sharing with us that she goes to a church. She's part of a small group where it's all Republicans, basically. Every person, every, it's almost like, a, you know, you have to sign off before you come in and you, before you remember, are you a Republican? Okay, good, you can be here. Um, so in their group, all Republicans. And when, sometimes when you're with a bunch of people who think similarly, then you talk like that. You assume that everybody thinks the same. So in their small group, that's how they talk. We all think the same, right? And she's terrified to say, I don't think that. And I don't know if she would say she's a Democrat, but she's definitely voting for Biden. And she's terrified. She's terrified of saying that. And where her question was, it's like, should I just leave? Should I? Should I, I don't like to have to fake it. So I go to this church, small group, and I have to fake it and I have to pretend that I agree. Let me tell you this. We release Jesus Christ resurrection power into the lives of people when you create, when you and me create space that they can walk into and they don't have to pretend. They don't have to pretend that they agree with you. And they don't have to pretend that they, that they think the same thing as you or agree on every topic. That when you create resurrection power, when you let somebody come into your space and you accept them as they are and do not make them think like you. That's resurrection power. That's resurrection power. When I walk into your space and I'm 
confident that you will still love me even if we don't disagree, that's resurrection power. And many people in our lives want to have these conversations, but they are terrified to have them. They're terrified to have them. Our culture has made them almost impossible to have them. There's so much fear. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I'm not thinking right on this? And what if I get unfriended or canceled or fired? And it's a shame because these conversations are so precious to us. Lots of them get to the heart of who we are. And you can't talk about them. Can't talk about them. You and I connect with people in a unique way. You and I release resurrection power into the lives of people around us when we make room for these kinds of conversations, these important conversations, and we create safe safe places for us to work out our faith in regards to these super touchy, sensitive, sensitive topics. So in the first decades um, after Jesus rose from the dead, um, there's a guy I talked about earlier today. His name's Paul, and he started going around to in starting these churches and he was taking the resurrection power in himself and pouring it out into the lives of others and, and, and people were learning to face these dark things in their lives their fears their doubts their anxieties um, and it was never perfect it was never perfect sometimes you read the Bible and you feel like it's you, the, I wish I was back then where they had the church then because it was perfect it was never perfect it's never perfect but people helped one another hold on to Christ and they learned to release resurrection power into each other's lives. So one of the churches Paul started was this place in Philippi. And um, after he started the church, he got put into prison. When he got put into prison, he wrote a letter back to this church to remind them of the resurrection power they have in their lives. And this is, this is part of what he says. He says, we are citizens of heaven. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly, we are on the edges of our, edge of our seats waiting for him to return as our savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under control. So we're waiting for Jesus to return as our savior and give us the resurrection bodies that we long for. Um, and the benefit of those bodies is that they won't break down. They won't get old. Your knees won't hurt. Your heads won't ache. All of that's super great. Thank you, Jesus. We want those things. But the new body is bringing our addictions under control. The new body is bringing our fears under control. The new body is bringing our depression under control, our mental health under control. The new body is doing far more than the fact that you won't get old. Some of that you guys know partially happens now, but only will happen finally on his return. Because you, because we know this, because we have this in the back of our minds all the time, this is how we should act. This is what we should do. He says, therefore, since we know that, since we know that this is coming, my brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and crown. I receive for my work. Now, I appeal to Yodia and Sintiki, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. So now, 
you need to understand this. You need to understand this. When this letter was read, when this letter was read to their, to their church, it would have been read out loud to everyone as a part of their church service. So what would have happened is Paul would have sent this letter with someone. They would have took it to their church and they would have said, okay, get the word out to our church family that Paul sent a letter that we're going to read out loud at our next church service. So everybody who had anything to do with that church, they would have been there that day. They would have been on the edge of their seats. Is Paul dead? What's happening? What's going to happen next? So they wanted to hear this letter. It was, if you've ever received an email that you've been on the edge of your seat that you wanted to get or a letter in the mail, you're like, oh, I cannot wait to read this letter. This that's the atmosphere. And so that day happens. Their whole church is there. They would have been packed out and they start reading this letter. And Paul's like, thank you for your generosity. Jesus is really awesome. Resurrection power. And everybody would have been getting amped up. They'd be like, yes, resurrection power. And he comes to the end of this letter. And he calls these two ladies out. I'm sure if you're standing there reading it, you're like, oh, Lord, I do not want to read that out loud. And they're probably there in the room. He's like, yo, you two ladies and your entourages, because, you know, when two people disagree at church, they always have an entourage. Get along. Get it done. And he, he talks about he talks about his um, trusted partner. That's probably. Some people think that that's Luke, the person who wrote the book of Luke. Help them. Help them figure this out. Help these women because we've worked hard together to spread the good news. Don't ruin it. Don't ruin it. There are some issues, some topics, something between these two ladies that they disagree about so much. And it was destroying the work of Christ. So, so Paul, in his letter, has to speak their names out by name. He doesn't just say, hey, everybody, get along. He says, you and you, get along. And if I did that during church, you got to be like, oh, we got, nah, Daryl, that was wrong. You shouldn't have. What he was saying is this. That in your church, you're going to have some super sensitive, super touchy things to deal with. You're going to have to work those things through. And people are going to need to process all the things that, uh, that, that, that are happening in our culture that the culture wants to shove in your face. Do not let those things destroy you. Because of this, we have the hope of Jesus Christ's resurrection power. We have the hope of Jesus Christ's resurrection power. Next week, I'm going to talk more specifically about how I want you to do this. But I have homework for you. Right? Have something I want you to do. So, you, so Luke got to give you homework. Titus, read that. That'd be great. Thank, thanks to those of you guys who, who read Exodus 1. I, lots of encouragement about that. Thank you. This week, was, this, this, week was, this is what I want you to do. 
Would you ask God to prepare you to release resurrection power into the lives of others by making church, church family, not this building, make this this church family the safest place to talk about sensitive subjects like race, sexuality, politics, and gender. Would you pray for those things? God, prepare me to release resurrection power into the lives of others by making this the safest place on the planet. Let's talk about sensitive topics like race, sexuality, politics, and gender. I'm sure you'll do that. I appreciate it. Karen uh, will send you an email reminding you this week. But feel free to write it down. I'm going to pray and then we'll be dismissed. Thanks for making space to uh, hear me today. Let's pray together. Dear Father, uh, we have no idea what resurrection power means. And if we do, if we got 1% of an idea, you have so much more to show us. You have so much more to show us. Before I was getting ready for, for this, these words I had to share today, I, I know I didn't even consider the idea of resurrection power going this direction. I pray that you would get us ready because it terrifies me thinking about conversations like this. But what should terrify me more is the fact or the idea of the church not being a place that is safe to ask questions, that is safe to wrestle with the things that people in our world are wrestling with today throughout their lives, but they have to be silent and quiet about it here. That's gross and ridiculous. I pray that you would make our church relevant to, to the lives of the people here and the people out in our communities and our lives. Teach us how to make this a safe place for people to wrestle with race and politics and gender and sexuality so that in a way that they don't have to fear what happens. They don't have to fear what will happen if they don't agree, if we don't like what they say, if we don't like the question they ask, if they misspeak, if they say the wrong word, if they don't, that they would feel safe. And and by doing this, we know that by doing this, you'll be releasing resurrection power into their lives. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.